This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 288. This podcast is brought to you by CEP Compression. CEP is for the pressure that helps you win. Check out the latest tall compression sock from CEP, the 3.0, with an upgraded fit and feel thanks to a blend of 16 yarns with the same best-in-class graduated compression. Visit cepcompression.com and use the code MARATHON for 15% off from now till August 31st. This podcast is also brought to you by Veradesk, the world's leading standing desk solution, converting any desk into a standing desk so you can maintain a healthy, active lifestyle in the office or at home. Plus, it comes with a 30-day risk-free guarantee and free shipping both ways. To learn more about Veradesk, visit veradesk.com forward slash work elevated. That's V-A-R-I-D-E-S-K dot com forward slash work elevated. And finally, we'd like to thank Drip Drop ORS. It's an electrolyte powder developed by a doctor to treat dehydration. The formula has three times the electrolytes and half the sugar of sports drinks. You just mix it with water, it works fast, and it tastes amazing. Try it before a run, after a workout, or when you need to recover from drinking too much and feel better instantly. Go to dripdrop.com forward slash MTA to get 20% off any purchase. That's dripdrop.com forward slash MTA. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy Podcast, where we empower you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, Angie recaps the Charlevoix Marathon in Charlevoix, Michigan, where she was able to run a Boston qualifying time. Plus, she'll tell you how to keep pushing in a marathon. And we'll do a little mid-year checkup on how your running goals are going. Don't forget you can get all of our back episodes, training plans, and community support inside the Academy. Learn about membership when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. All right, so we are actually sitting inside our camper, podcasting from Sturgis, South Dakota, uh, on the road on our 50K Ultramarathon Sufferfest Extravaganza as we've been calling it. I think you've been calling it that, but <laughs> okay. Our 50K Summer of Love. Angie, you actually have a race tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. I'm running the Black Hills 50K here in Sturgis, South Dakota. Um, as I was out earlier this morning, I saw the 100 milers getting ready to leave for their distance. And then the 50 miler people, the 50K and the 30K runners uh, will start tomorrow morning. And it's supposed to be like 100 degrees today, right? I feel so sorry for the 100 milers. Yeah, the high is going to top 90. Uh, It's really sunny and just hot. So I don't envy them having to run in the heat of the day. What about you tomorrow? Um, As most people know who've listened to this podcast for any length of time, I'm not a fan of running in the heat. But I will definitely slow my pace, uh, keep hydrated, and... Just try to enjoy it the best I can, and you know I'm not out there to set any records or anything, just to complete the course and and hopefully enjoy myself. We need a complete Sufferfest, Angie, because then that it will live up to the to the billing that I've made. You here. need to stop saying the word Sufferfest. <laughs> <laughs> I plan on enjoying it the, as much as I can. Yeah, I know you will, and you're going to do great. I guess, like it said, there's magic in the misery. That's right, and we are in Sturgis, this mecca for motorcycle enthusiasts. And we're not here at the motorcycle rally. That's like in August, I think. But we are in a campground, and you might hear a motorcycle go ripping by on the road outside, and that's what that noise is, uh, because that's where we are. But yeah, having a good time. We've been on a road for about 
a week and a half now. We've got a lot to tell you about in this episode. Angie's going to do a recap of her most recent marathon that went great, and she'll talk about what went right and kind of some things that you can learn from her experience. Before we jump into that, let's see what's going on out there in MTA land. What do you got for us, Angie? Yeah, I heard from Don. He said, it was a great day for the races in beautiful Charlevoix. Sorry I didn't get to see you as I was running the Charlevoix half, but I had a great time while hitting my time goal with the help of the fantastic pacers. And this note comes from Yali in the Academy, and sorry if I'm mispronouncing your your name. She says, I've been running shorter distances for a few years on and off. I suffered from an eating disorder for 12 years and have really fought back to find strength and peace in my body. It took many years for me to find a compassionate way to heal myself, and running became part of that physical equation. Last year, one of my friends encouraged me to try for longer distances. I ran my first race, a very hilly local 10K, at six months pregnant, and I knew from that moment on that I had found something I loved to do. Running has become a real place of solace for me. It's where I find peace and connect with my body. Since my son was born, I've run a few races, including three half marathons. I wasn't finding much improvement from half to half, and the last one I did was painful, and I struggled to find joy in it. That's when I started doing some research about the running world and found your podcast. Within a week of listening, I joined as a member, and it also coincided with getting into the New York City Marathon. I'm so excited to start marathon training with one of your plans and with such great support. Well, it's great to hear about the start of someone's running journey and uh, the discovery of just how peaceful and how transformative running can be you know, to one's life. She, she mentions finding solace in the long runs. And uh, yeah, I think that's one beautiful aspect of being a long distance runner for sure. So keep up the great work. This note comes from Mark in the Academy. He says, last year I blurted out to Trevor that I was secretly considering the 100 kilometer Beeler Loftaga. Saying it out loud definitely felt like a commitment. So a trillion miles later, it happened. Not the fastest, but I'm still very proud. Thanks to MTA for all the advice and motivation and to everyone in the MTA members group. Anything is possible. All right. That's awesome. Yeah, I got to meet Mark uh, for lunch in Zurich last year when I went and ran the Jungfrau Marathon in Switzerland. And he mentioned wanting to do that 100K. And after that, I kind of forgot that he told me about that. But then recently he, you know, he reported back, hey, I did it. And uh, the man's been taking action. So imagine that 100K. That's a long way to run. So big congrats, Mark, on finishing the Be There Lauf Tauga in Der Schweiz. And this note comes from Lauren in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She says, Hi, Angie and Trevor. I've been dreaming of sending you guys this message for over a year now. I'm so excited to share that I'm officially a marathoner. I used your beginner training plan for Grandma's Marathon in Duluth, Minnesota this past Saturday and finished in 5 hours and 48 minutes. I had an amazing first marathon experience. The weather was gorgeous, the crowd support was incredible, and seeing my family at mile 23 was one of the most special moments of my life. Grandma's was especially meaningful this year because it was held a little over a week after the passing of elite runner Gabe Grunewald. I know Gabe's death has been extremely impactful on the entire running community, but I think it hit Minnesota runners particularly hard because Gabe was one of our own. I wrote Brave Like Gabe on my forearm in Sharpie before the race, a reminder to myself to keep going when things got tough. Someone also put a sign along the course with a quote from Gabe that said, It's okay to struggle. It's not okay to give up. That sign gave me so much motivation and inspiration to keep moving forward in the race. That's awesome. Thank you, Lauren, for sharing, and congrats on running your first marathon, proving that you have what it takes, digging deep. You're right, Gabe Grunewald has been and will continue to be an inspiration to thousands and thousands of runners. Well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. All right, well, it's time for one of our world-famous race recaps. 
sitting in our camper, sweating because the air conditioner is not on because that would be too noisy. <laughs> I feel like I'm running. I have so much sweat going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> but this race we're going to tell you about is in Michigan, beautiful, pure Michigan, place that we had never been to heretofore called Charlevoix. We didn't even know how to pronounce it when we first found this race. We were like saying Charlevoix, but uh, yeah, it's Charlevoix. It's French. Angie, what can you tell us about the beautiful Charlevoix Marathon? Yeah, the, for our first main stop on our, our 2019 trip was Charlevoix, Michigan, which is located along the shore of Lake Michigan. I actually signed up for this marathon about four weeks before we did it. Um, I was kind of waiting to see how I recovered from London, and all systems were a go, so we kind of started planning our, our summer travels. Um, so I got to run the 13th annual Charlevoix Marathon. It was held on Saturday, June 22nd, 2019, and they also hosted a half marathon, a 10K, and 5K the same day. So we got into the area on Friday, and packet pickup was held Friday afternoon, and they also did race morning pickup. So that was very handy for people who maybe were local and didn't want to make two trips to the area. The packet pickup and race finishing area was held at Bridge Park in historic downtown Charlevoix. It's adjacent to their famous drawbridge. Which goes up and down every 30 minutes. That's right. As we were coming into Charlevoix, the traffic on this main street, on Bridge Street, was just incredibly slow. Yes. Um, it gets really, really backed up. Um, but once we got down there, I was able to get my bib, uh, the race shirt, and the reusable bag they were getting out. Um, and one thing I loved about the race was how small the bib was. I mean, this is the tiniest race bib I think I've seen in a long time. And I love it. I mean, what is up with these bibs that practically take up your whole shirt? I know. It's like, <laughs> let's be concise, get the number on there, obviously the race name. But yeah, so they had this nice small bib. We kind of scoped out the race area and got my bib and we strolled around the beautiful lakefront area and then headed to our campsite, which was located about 15 miles away. And I spent the rest of the day taking it pretty easy, getting my race kit put together and enjoying the beautiful, cool breezes that were coming off the lake. Fortunately, the weather there was was nice and moderate. All right, so let's go to race morning. This race kind of started early, didn't it? The marathon start time was at 6.30 a.m., and of course, you all know that I like to get there early. I don't like to screech in at the last minute like Trevor does. So we decided that I would drive myself to the race. So for the people who are envisioning Trevor and the kids out on the course cheering me on or waiting to celebrate with me at the finish line, that did not happen. It would have happened if we had two cars. Yes. So yeah, the kids and I stayed back in the camper and got up later than you did <laughs> by far. So yeah, you were kind of on your own. How did you handle it? <laughs> I've been on my own a lot in life. <laughs> a lot of marathons, so um, it's it's totally fine with me. You didn't feel unloved? No, of course not. Okay. We were with you in spirit. <laughs> I knew that, yes. When I got there, there was plenty of free downtown parking on race morning, and I got there about 45 minutes before the race starts, so I had my choice of parking spots. was able to sit in the car and kind of get my stuff together, get my thoughts together. And once I got over near where the race was starting, a listener named Mike, who was there for the half marathon, found me. And we had a nice chat and got a picture. And he mentioned that he might find me out on the course later and run a couple of miles with me. So I thought, oh, such a nice guy. Um, I also got to see MTA member Heidi at the start. Uh, she had been planning to do the marathon distance, but had gotten injured in Taekwondo earlier in the week. And so she was going to be doing the 10K and walking that with her sister. She broke a guy's face with her foot. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. A <laughs> little less dramatic, but still very disappointing for her. We don't know how she injured it in Taekwondo, but that's what I imagine. She was either drop-kicking cylinder blocks or was in a, a sparring match and broke a guy's face with her foot. I'm sure it's very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> 
And um, they solicited a volunteer from the crowd to sing the national anthem since apparently their scheduled person got sick. That could get interesting. Yeah, they were like, can anyone sing the national anthem? You didn't raise your hand? Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you free race entry for the rest of your life. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, um, a lady got up and did a really nice job, so that was cool. Fortunately, the morning weather was nice and clear. It was in the mid-50s at the start, and the early morning light with the lake right there was just really beautiful. I lined up just behind the 345 pace group and waited for the starting gun, and I felt excited to be there and just about the right amount of pre-race anticipation, like not overly nervous. But, you know, excited to start and to see what I could do out there. You were in the zone. I guess so. We're starting to get a lot of the runners in the marathon over here in the corral. So if you're uh, part of the 630 start for the Charlotte Marathon, come on over and make your way towards that north side of the bridge, towards that start line. We're going to go here in just a few minutes. All right, Angie, so let's talk about the beautiful course. Part of it goes along Lake Michigan, right? I mean, they better. (laughs) Yes, the start line is on Bridge Street. Um, We mentioned that drawbridge, so it's just beyond the drawbridge. And then Lake Michigan was visible just to the left, and then there's this little spot called Round Lake kind of a marina in there over to the right. For the first three miles, we went through some really nice shady neighborhoods. Then we kind of wound out of town onto a paved bike walk path that was, you know, nice and wide, plenty of room to run. The course is an out and back, so it makes it more predictable than point-to-point courses. You kind of know anything that goes up on the way out will come down on the way back and vice versa. And I felt that it was mostly flat. It did have a few rolling hills. Um, There was one hill in the earlier miles that I briefly walked because I didn't want to elevate my heart rate too much at that point. And then there were some downhill sections. So I was kind of letting my legs open up a little bit on the downhill sections. A couple of times I looked down at my pace and I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's fast. I hope I don't blow up later on in the marathon. So you kind of had to rein it back. I really didn't rein it back, honestly. I felt good. I felt loose. And I just kind of had that thought, hopefully this doesn't come back to, to bite me later. Then the course ventures around a local ski mountain called Mount Masaba. And it goes down some tree-lined roads along the lake shore. And then the turnaround point was at Little Traverse Bay. And I can definitely see why Runner's World magazine named Charlevoix Marathon as one of the best small-town marathons in the United States. It was a really nice course. It stayed nice and wide throughout. There was plenty of room to run. And, of course, this felt like a big contrast to me from previously running the London Marathon where it was crowded the whole way and you're just hemmed in uh, by runners. In fact, there were stretches at Charlevoix that I wasn't running around anyone. But then there was also plenty of sections where I would leapfrog other runners who were around the same pace. You know, you kind of see the same people over and over. Uh, The race also advertises that they have a high rate of BQs on the course or Boston qualifying times, interestingly enough. In 2018, 19.6% of the marathoners Boston qualified. And this year, 2019, 16.4 Boston qualified. So it is traditionally a pretty good course for running fast. Um, They had their aid stations located approximately every one and a half miles. A few of the locations also had extras like candy, and there was even a bacon stop. Oh, nice. I don't know. Just for some reason, I didn't feel like testing my body on the bacon. I was just trying to make time, didn't want to have to deal with digestion issues. So I passed on the bacon, and I knew that would be something you probably would have taken advantage of. (laughs) So you didn't fuel with bacon, but I'm sure you fueled with 
your trusty Generation U-Can, which you've been using for years now with great success. Yes, I used one U-Can snack bar about 30 minutes before I started the marathon, and then I ate half a bar every five miles. I was drinking water from the aid stations, and towards the end, I was dumping a cup on myself to keep me cool. But yeah, I feel like the U-Can bars provide really nice, steady energy and they're gentle on the stomach, and of course they taste great. Peanut so, butter chocolate, baby. <laughs> that's our favorite flavor. I typically take them out of their packages and then break them in half and put them in like a little a little bag so that I can access them easily when I want them. Oh, that's smart. And of course I always take one near an aid station so that I can rinse it down with water because it does require some chewing and just want to be able to wash it down and get that energy flowing throughout the body. That's right, and we do have a promo code for you guys if you want to try it. And get 15% off your order. Use the code MTABQ since Angie was able to Boston qualify at this race, which we'll talk about. That's MTABQ at GenerationUCAN.com. And if you are a first-time Generation UCAN customer, use the code MTA25. You'll get 25% off. Ooh, that's nice. The marathon had a total of 364 finishers. The half marathon had 719. The 10K had 279, and the 5K had 359 finishers. So they had a good total group of runners out for the day. Um, and the finishers medal was large. It has a beautiful design, really nice. The only thing, it wasn't specific to the distance. So you can run the 5K and get the same medal as for the marathon. But <laughs> it was still nice, so no complaints for me. <laughs> It is a nice-looking medal. Angie is a connoisseur of fine running medals. So big congrats, Angie, on finishing another state on your 50-state quest. And this was marathon number what? 58, and it was my 45th state. Nice. So counting those down. Did you get some good post-race food afterwards? Oh, you know it. <laughs> they had great food and drink options. They had chocolate milk, licorice, fruit snacks, bananas, apples, chips, popcorn, pizza, Rice Krispie bars. So something for everyone, really. But none of that is on your diet. Oh, it was that day. <laughs> <laughs> Another cool thing about this race is that even though it's a small marathon, we had quite a few folks email us and say that they were going to be there uh, who listened to the podcast. Unfortunately, we didn't get to meet every single one of those folks in person, but we did have some people come out to the MTA meetup afterwards at the Villager Pub in Charlevoix. Here's a quick soundbite from the meetup. Check, check. I'm about one beer deep into our uh, meetup, having a good time. Here with some uh, runners and MTA listeners here in Charlevoix. I'm going to pass the mic around, and folks are going to just uh, say howdy all the way from Michigan. Okay, passing it down. Uh, we'll start with Angie. No one wants to hear from me. <laughs> Here's Heidi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Heidi Schiller. I'm from Frederick, Maryland, and I trained to do the marathon today. However, um, I injured my calf on Monday night, and so I just did the 10K instead and had a great time with my sister. Here she is. Hi, I'm Wendy Schiller, and I came to actually walk the 10K for the first time here to support my sister, who, as you knew, was going to do the marathon. But I enjoyed myself, and I enjoyed the experience and learning about the whole culture, and it was fun to be here. I'm Beth Murr. I'm from Coopersville, Michigan, and I ran the half marathon with my sister, Karen. And we're training for a full, so we actually had to do 18 miles today, so we ran five extra miles after that, and it was beautiful. Karen Seguin from West Olive, Michigan, and you just heard from my sister Beth. We are here together, ran the half marathon. I've been listening to Marathon Training Academy podcast for maybe, well, me maybe six months. My sister's been listening for a year and a half, but I've listened to probably two years' worth 
and repeated many of them. Awesome. My name's Dan Beard. I'm from Commerce Township, Michigan, and I have also binge listened to all of the available podcasts. And I wanted to run a full marathon this year. It was my fifth year anniversary of running, so I, I wanted to get a, a full in. Okay, and real quick, uh, Dan, how did it go? You, you got your medal around your neck. Isn't that medal awesome this year, too? So uh, tell us really quick, how did the race go? Well, the race went really good. I, I finished like a half a minute over my PR, so I, a little bit of being disappointed, but I put my best into it, so I, I have no regrets. And the course is beautiful. You run along a portion of Lake Michigan. There's a tree line, and there's a lot of shade, and, and the weather was great. It, it was a good time. Makes me wish I ran something today. <laughs> Congrats, everybody, on your racing today, and thanks for coming out to the meetup, and thanks for being a long time, and uh, some of you uh, recent listeners to the podcast, and great to meet all of you in person. And actually, after the race, another MTA listener from Traverse City named Amy came up and said hi. She'd run the 5K and did great, and it was really fun to talk to her. And actually, since my phone died, she graciously became my personal photographer. So <laughs> I have to thank her for most of the pictures that I got that day. And then when I went over to check my time, I met another MTA listener named Tina over there and her husband, Mike, who was out cheering on the course. I actually recognized him because he was so enthusiastic and such a bright spot out on that course. Oh, cool. And Tina finished first in her age group and also Boston qualified. So we were able to celebrate together. Okay, Angie. So let's go back and just dig into your experience, how it came together. You finished in a really good time. I was actually tracking you. But the website only showed me your half marathon time, which was pretty good. It was like 148. I'm like, wow, she's clipping along pretty well. And then a little while later, I checked and you had finished and I had to like double and triple check because it looked like you had qualified for Boston. Oh, you have little faith. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was surprised as well. (laughs) Because you didn't say anything about that to me, you know, going in that you had hopes of doing that. Yeah, I mentioned earlier that I started the marathon around the 345 pace group, thinking that would be a pretty aggressive time to take off from my last marathon, which was just barely sub four. But I quickly passed that group because they were just doing a lot of talking. And for some reason, I just wasn't in the headspace to listen to a lot of chatter back and forth. Maybe it had something to do with being in the car for the last five days and traveling and not having any personal space or privacy. I just felt like I needed to be on my own, if that makes sense. So I put on an audiobook, which I find keeps my mind engaged without the adrenaline spikes that music can sometimes give you. Um, and I listened to that until my phone died for some reason around mile 15. So I was able just to kind of really, you know, focus inwardly and just lay down some good miles. My strategy going into the race was to run as strong as possible and leave it all there. I didn't know what that meant, though, necessarily. That was one reason why I kept a fairly aggressive pace in the beginning. I had just come off reading the book called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, and that book really helped me be in a good place mentally. So for those who aren't familiar with David Goggins, he came from a very rough background of poverty and abuse, and he went on to become a Navy SEAL and just a general all-around badass. I mean, this guy has a very extreme personality, and he's driven to find his limits physically and mentally. For instance, he went through Army Ranger training in addition to being a Navy SEAL. Uh, He set a pull-up record doing 4,230 pull-ups in 24 hours despite his hands being all torn up. He's run the Badwater 135 Ultra Marathon numerous times. 
Uh, so he's a pretty just leave it all out there type of person. And of course, while I don't endorse his way of training because he absolutely trashes his body, he shares a lot of great mindset strategies and tips in the book. And in fact, he starts out the book with a solo mission that he gives to the reader. And I thought I would share that quote because it really kind of sets the tone for what you're going to get with the book. Okay, so this is from David Goggins from the book Can't Hurt Me, which you read actually in the car on the way out to the marathon. That's right. It says, quote, situation, you are in danger of living a life so comfortable and soft that you will die without ever realizing your true potential. Mission, to unshackle your mind, ditch the victim's mentality forever, own all aspects of your life completely, build an unbreakable foundation. Execution, read this cover to cover, study the techniques within, accept all 10 challenges, repeat. Repetition will callous your mind. If you do your job to the best of your ability, this will hurt. This mission is not about making yourself feel better. This mission is about being better and having a greater impact on the world. Don't stop when you're tired. Stop when you're done. Yeah, it was that last sentence that kind of stuck in your mind, it seems, right? Yeah, it's so true for the marathon. I mean, you go into a marathon, you know it's going to hurt. You know there's going to be moments of suffering. You know you're going to get tired. But you don't stop when you're tired. You stop when you're done. So, yeah, I had to read that quote to you when I was in that spot in the book because I was like, yeah, that is just so true. Now, there's a lot of language in the book, but it's really a fascinating read, and it's a great way to dial in a stronger mental game, even if you don't plan on becoming a Navy SEAL or doing the Badwater 135. (laughs) So during the marathon, my mantra was keep pushing, and this kept me from getting comfortable at a pace and slacking off, and it also helped me keep my mindset strong. Uh, Fortunately, my legs felt good, although I did have some glute soreness, which I really took as a good sign. I kind of tried to reframe it. I basically said, good, you know, my glutes are doing their job because in the past, my glutes haven't been as strong and then my hamstrings take over for the glutes and I'll have like hamstring issues and soreness. So I really took that as a good sign that all my lower body and glute training has been paying off. So, you know, there's things that are going to be challenging and hurt during a race, but if you can reframe it and actually look at it as a good thing, it can actually kind of propel you forward. So at mile 24, I was really surprised to see Mike, who I'd met earlier, show up to pace and encourage me. He had run the half marathon and did great. This is the listener to the podcast who said, hey, maybe I'll come back and run some final miles with you. Yeah, that's right. So it was great to have his company, and that helped me push up a final hill and finish mile 26 with a 758 pace, which was my second fastest mile of the entire race. That's not easy to do at the last mile. Um, I had a strong finishing kick the final final 0.2 miles to cross the finish line in three hours, 39 minutes, and 25 seconds. And I remember thinking, you know, during those final two miles, like, I can't wimp out in front of Mike. You know, he's come back to see me finish this thing strong, and it really helped me just dig deep for that last finish. So you did amazingly, and I posted your results as soon as I triple-checked him to make sure that you actually <laughs> finished that time because I was so surprised. But I posted in our little group for members, and, of course, people were giving you massive props and cheering you on, but you had some questions. Peter says, please share your goals, pacing strategies, and any adjustments you made during this race. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess my goal going into the marathon was to have a strong race and finish as far sub four as possible. I did have a lot of confidence coming off the London Marathon seven weeks earlier that I could at least do that time or better. Um, So after London, with my training, I took about two to three weeks for really easy running. I didn't do any runs over 90 minutes during that um, 
kind of post-marathon taper. Um, and then I had time to do a 17-mile long run and a 20-mile long run before then going back into a three-week taper before the Charlevoix Marathon. And both of my long runs were done in fairly warm conditions on hilly routes and averaged about a 9.35 pace for both of those long runs. So, you know, I felt like they were strong long runs. However, it didn't really give me a lot of information on how my body would do on a flatter marathon course. Um, in addition, I'd also lost about six more pounds since the London Marathon. So I knew that was going to be a factor in my favor as well. And of course, you were still doing the Met Pro nutrition coaching with Natalie, who we had on the podcast two episodes ago. So yeah, it sounds like the weight is continuing to come off. Yeah, my body is really continuing to respond well. And after years of being out of balance and dealing with hormonal upsets and things like that, um, it feels really, really good to get back to my racing weight and you know feel strong and healthy again, and of course, be able to run stronger as well. So a lot of people have wondered how MetPro works. Um, basically, when you sign up with them, they are going to put you in contact with a coach that you'll be working with one-on-one to help you reach your goals. They use contrast with the eating plans so that your body doesn't get used to just eating the same way all the time because we know our bodies are seeking homeostasis. They want to uh, basically get to the place where they have to work the least hard. And so by contrasting your macronutrients occasionally, then it's going to provide that contrast to your body to rev up your metabolism and allow your body to reach its body composition goals, your, your ideal body composition. For some people, that's weight loss. For some people, it may be just getting their nutrition game lined out so that they're able to fuel their workouts and feel strong and healthy in their general life. And of course, you learn more over at metpro.co. Metpro.co forward slash MTA. That's metpro.co forward slash MTA. So here's another question that came in from Debbie. When you trained for the London Marathon, you'd mentioned that you were using um, sort of your own version of Hansen's Marathon Method. Um, so are you still using Hansen's Method? Debbie wants to know. Yeah, well, that's a good question. I guess I should clarify that I never strictly followed Hansen's to the T. I did take a lot of the features that Hansen's talked about. I read their book, and I incorporated that into my training. So that included gradually building up so that I was running more days per week. Um, going into my long runs with my legs somewhat fatigued. I would basically have five runs before I did my long run so that my legs did not feel fresh. And so it, it tests your strength even more. And then I also capped my longest run at three hours. So however far I got in three hours, that was what my longest run was going to be. Um, I've also been keeping up my schedule of core and lower body strength training, getting regular massages, getting lots of sleep, things that I've talked about that help me recover and be able to, you know, feel my best. I can't say that I have much of a pacing strategy going into the Charlevoix Marathon. Of course, I wanted to keep my effort level fairly steady for the first 20 miles so that it was a challenging pace but not exhausting. From experience, I know that I can usually muster a few strong finishing miles. One of my go-to mantras I mentioned before is, I'm stronger after mile 20 which is a place where a lot of people tend to fade. And I've also heard some coaches say that the first half of a marathon is through mile 20, and the second half is the final 10K, which there is kind of a lot of truth in that. <laughs> That's about how I do math. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is almost like the effort that it takes to get to mile 20, and then from 20 to 26.2 is, is pretty even, it feels like sometimes. I had mentioned earlier that I started with the 345 pacing group, thinking that would be a nice stretch goal, but then I passed them, of course, and I figured, you know, I might end up seeing them again. That would be fine. But I did try to take advantage of certain features on the course, like opening up my pace a bit on downhill sections, 
a couple times I'd glance down, saw that my pace was pretty fast for the early miles. So what I did was a body scan. It kind of, you know, checked in with my breathing to make sure it wasn't labored, checked in with my muscles to make sure they were relaxed and I wasn't holding tension in my body. And then I just kind of hoped, well, I hope I don't regret this pace later, you know, if I do. I think every marathoner worries occasionally about a first fast half coming back to bite them later. But I knew that my energy felt solid. It was a cool morning. I knew that was working to my advantage. So I really wanted to capitalize on those two factors as much as possible. So mentally, I tried to maintain a balance of being focused, but not obsessing over the little things. It's a temptation during a marathon to fall back to the pace of least resistance. So I was determined to fight that. My mantra every time I felt any negativity or doubt creep into my mind was, you're okay, stay hard, which is kind of another uh, mantra of David Goggins, stay hard. I also kept telling myself, keep pushing. What do you mean the pace of least resistance? Well, our body wants to be as comfortable as possible. True. And so, you know, the mind will sometimes be like, oh, you're exhausted. And and you can start to feel your pace just kind of gradually slow. So to the pace where it's the most comfortable to run. And I, I didn't want to be comfortable during the marathon. I mean, I didn't want to kill myself, obviously, but I wanted to keep pushing. I didn't want it to be comfortable. Hmm. I didn't want to finish the marathon knowing that I should have pushed harder in a certain section. Okay. So I was able to reel in a couple of runners who had gotten ahead of me during the race, and that felt really good. And I think it's okay to let a bit of competition creep in, as long as you're careful to keep the big picture in mind. Most of us aren't racing for first place, so it's important not to let your ego get the better of you by racing people mid-race. But it does feel good, you know, kind of to silently be like, oh, okay, you know, I passed that person who passed me earlier. And I guess in the book, uh, David Goggins called, it's called Taking Someone's Soul, which is kind of a, a strange reference. But if you <laughs> oh, read the man. book, you'll understand. <laughs> I'm the soul snatcher. <laughs> Around mile 20, I was trying to do some calculations in my head, and I figured out if I could keep a sub-9 pace to the finish, I would finish around 340. So I really didn't obsess over my pace. I just kept pushing. And then with three miles left, I realized I had a good chance of finishing sub 340, which would be a BQ if I kept up that pace. However, as you know, Trevor, I never allow myself to get overconfident until I've actually crossed the finish line. So I just, you know, really wanted to keep the pressure up and not be like, oh, I've got this kind of thing. So I was able to, you know, really push and do a good finishing kick. And when I looked down at my watch, it was almost unbelievable to see sub 340 there. It was like one of those moments where if I hadn't actually run the marathon and was there in that moment, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> yeah. So I got the biggest post-marathon high, just feeling so happy and grateful for being able to run my 58th marathon so strong. It was my fourth fastest marathon ever. And you got first place in your age group. Yeah. When later I went over to check um, the official time, I found out I'd gotten first place for the women's 40 to 44 age group. So that was another shock too. I was just like, wow, this is icing on the cake. <laughs> of course, your Boston qualifying uh, category, you need to run sub 340. You did 339.25. So technically qualified, but it's probably not going to be enough to get you in the Boston Marathon when they roll out the cutoff times. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, they did just take off five minutes from each category's qualifying time for the 2020 edition of the Boston Marathon. So they tightened up all the categories because there were so many people who were being shut out that had qualifying times. You know, It was like over 7,000 people that qualified for the 2019 race that didn't get in. So they're trying to address that a bit by tightening up the qualifying times. However, I still think 
a person is probably going to need over a minute to get into Boston 2020. So, you know, I'm not setting my, my hopes on running Boston 2020. If it happens, great. I'll be thrilled. If not, it's not going to take away any of my joy from what I was able to accomplish out there. So you were surprised by your finishing time. Was it just a magical moment where you just peaked on race day? And I've, I've heard elite runners talk about how hard it is to actually time that and that their dream is, you know, to go to the Olympics and peak at the Olympics or something like that, right? Yeah, what I found personally is that the times that I have tried super hard to PR or Boston qualify, something goes wrong. Either it's a, a super hot day or my body is not feeling good or I just don't have it in me. And the times I go out there just wanting to do my best and going to give it my all, I'm not putting a super lot of pressure on myself, then something magical just happens and it all comes together. Hmm. So I think you really never know when your body is going to be ready. So that's an encouragement to just continue putting in the work, doing those boring things like going to bed early and getting enough sleep and doing that strength training and listening to your body and making sure you're not running yourself into the ground and dialing in your nutrition. It's like those little boring things that can lead to big breakthroughs. And what about keep racing? I mean, can it be like using a baseball metaphor, if you just keep getting up to the plate, swinging at the ball, uh, eventually you're going to make contact, right, and hit it out of the park? Yeah, I think you should not give up for sure. Now, there is, you know, the issue of you shouldn't try to race a marathon too often because that can lead to overtraining and injury. So you can't show up at multiple events a year and expect to PR every one um, and not have that affect your body. So you do have to be judicious about um, making sure your body is strong and healthy and that you're not doing too much. So, and for every person, that's going to look different. You know, for me, I was able to run the London Marathon and be happy with my finish time and then improve by 20 minutes seven weeks later. That's not going to be the path for everyone. So it just, everyone's on their own journey and you don't really want to compare, you really don't want to compare your journey to someone else's because it's going to look different. However, there are a lot of similar themes that will come up. And, you know, speaking of not giving up, just to paint a picture for you guys, the last time Angie qualified for Boston was 2014, which was the first time. And that was at the Foot Traffic Flat Marathon in Portland. And then five years intervene. And during that five years, you kind of went through a slump in your running. You're, like you mentioned, you started dealing with hormonal imbalances, so you started gaining weight. But your time slowed down, and even just motivation to do races slowed down. You had to take a year off of racing, you know, you kept running because you love that. But yeah, it was kind of sort of a five year low maybe, um, between these two mountain peaks of, uh, running Boston qualifying time. So some people might find themselves in a a valley like that right now. What could you say to those people? Yeah, I think that's a great thing to point out. The years 2016 through 2018 were really rough for me with my physical health and even my motivation. I mean, I, I gained a ton of weight that I didn't need to gain. My hormones were out of whack And it took a long time to be able to get to the place where I felt healthy and strong again. And if your body is out of balance, then your motivation is going to suffer too. You know, honestly, I still got out there and ran. I still put in training, but a lot of days I didn't feel like it. I I didn't get the same amount of joy from it as I had experienced in the past just because I didn't feel good. My body felt really weighted down and heavy and I dealt with, you know, various niggles that showed up. It was honestly just kind of discouraging. Um, So, you know, that can be a difficult place if you find yourself at a spot where you're struggling with chronic injury. Maybe the doctor has told you that you need to find a new sport. Maybe your body is not working with you well and you've gained a bunch of weight and you can't seem to get rid of it. You know, for any number 
number of reasons people can go through slumps in their running. And yeah, I totally get it. It can be very, very discouraging. Actually, that is probably why a lot of people sign up for coaching. You know, we have 10 coaches on the team now and and clients all over the world. And yeah, folks are coming to us who are, many of them kind of match the description of what you just said, just sort of, you know, have gotten older, haven't seen their times improved. uh, They need some extra accountability and just fresh insight and professional help with their training, someone to help them get unstuck. Yeah, and we'll talk about that here in a bit, about how to do a mid-year running review and kind of determine if you're where you want to be and and what to do about it if you're not. Yeah, that's right. That's actually what we have planned for the quick tip because we're right here at the midpoint of the year. Hope you've had a good year so far. Uh, so it's, yeah, just a little mid-year review because at the beginning of the year, we always talk about running goals and this will be like an encouragement to kind of take a audit of how the goals are going. Before we share that, though, we would like to say a quick word of thanks to our amazing sponsor, CEP Compression. We're so proud to have them as a sponsor because we've been using their gear for years. I mean, and it's like top quality, top of the line compression gear owned by a German company, which makes it even more special to me. (laughs) I'm sure. Yes, for the Charlevoix Marathon, I actually wore their tall compression sock, the 3.0, and it's in a nice teal color. Who knows? Maybe they help me run faster. Yeah, they have a quality control process that consists of 27 different checks to ensure that their products are built consistently. Each CEP compression sock has 6.2 miles of yarn and compression thread. So there's like 10K worth of thread and (laughs) yarn going into these babies. (laughs) Their run socks feature consistent compression to the calf to reduce fatigue and to start your recovery process during your run. And the recovery socks and tights are constructed for optimum support of your venous system, returning deoxygenated blood back to the heart, making your legs feel fresher much faster. CEP is all about the pressure that helps you win. So to check out their tall compression socks, the 3.0 with an updated look and fit, thanks to a blend of 16 different yarns, visit cepcompression.com and use the code MARATHON for 15% off from now till August 31st. Once again, that's cepcompression.com and use the code MARATHON for 15% off. I would also like to thank Love Beats for sponsoring this podcast episode. All kinds of great sponsors. You know, we got compression socks, beets, which is one of your favorite foods, right, Angie? (laughs) Yes. um, I don't know how many other beet lovers there are out there, but Love Beets offers fun flavors and simple beet products for beet lovers and beet newbies alike. I don't even look forward to eating beets ever, but when we got these, I'm like, wow, this is really good. Yeah, they went fast. Like, I need to hide these from Angie. (laughs) They have plain cooked beets that are a versatile staple to have in your fridge. You can throw them in smoothies, mix them in dips, and lots more. And you can also jazz up your salads or enjoy their marinade baby beets as a healthy snack. They come in a bunch of flavors like white wine and balsamic, I think, which was my favorite. Also honey and ginger. And of course, beets provide a bunch of health benefits. Just one cup of beets contains only 60 calories, 34% of your daily folate, 15% of your daily fiber, 11% of your daily vitamin C, and 12% of your daily potassium. So head over to lovebeets.com and use the code MTA at checkout for 20% off online orders. That's lovebeets.com, promo code MTA. And you can also find them at major retailers nationwide like Kroger, Whole Foods, and Costco. So in the quick tip, we're going to talk about how to do a mid-year running review. 
can you imagine we're already halfway through 2019? That just blows my mind for some reason. Time always goes so quickly. So if you're not where you want to be right now, don't be afraid to reevaluate your strategy and ask for help. Now, I have the type of personality that likes to do things by myself. I was born and raised in Montana, so we're very independent-minded there. It can be hard to ask for help. But when you look at people who are successful in their fields, most of them attribute part of their success to the help of mentors, coaches, therapists, and other support people. Sometimes we just get so mired in the way that we've always done things that it can be hard to make a change. That's one reason why doing a mid-year running review can be so beneficial, whether you're in a running slump or not. By evaluating whether you're where you want to be and whether you're making progress towards your goals, you can know that your energy and efforts are going in the right direction. Now, obviously, it's important to keep showing up and doing the work, but sometimes we all get stuck in health and fitness ruts. So we don't want that for any of our listeners. We want you to actually feel like you're making progress in your running goals and in your life. So here are some questions to ask yourself when doing a review. Now, you can do this more often than twice a year. Some people do them monthly. I would say probably more the better, maybe. (laughs) The first question is, what's working for me so far this year? Although our minds tend to gravitate toward the negative, it's also very important to consciously focus on the positive too. So think about what's working in your running life and your health or whatever aspect of your life you're reviewing. The second question to ask is what's not working for me? And here you want to be specific, write it down, figure out where you're discouraged, what your hangups are, what your challenges are, and where you're having struggles. The third question to ask is, do I need to reevaluate or reframe my goals? It could be possible that the goals you set at the beginning of the year weren't realistic for the time frame. It's a trap I fall into all the time. <laughs> you do tend to overestimate what you can accomplish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually heard Tony Robbins say this. It's really wise. He said, most people overestimate what they can accomplish in a year, but they underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years. Yeah, that is interesting. So the fourth question is, what do I need to do to make sure I go into the second part of this year strong? And the fifth question is, how can I course correct if I'm not where I want to be? And I would encourage you, you know, to sit down at your computer with those questions, maybe, you know, type out your answers, write it down. There's something about writing down your answers that really make, it makes it seem more real. We feel like we're going to remember, you know, what we're thinking right now and and our goals and our dreams and maybe our challenges. But life goes by so fast. There is so much going on that we often don't have a very good memory (laughs) of those kind of things. So writing them down can be of great benefit to people. So I wanted to mention some things once you've gotten your answers written down to those mid-year running review questions. These are some of the things that I did personally to get myself rebalanced again, to get myself out of my running slump. And the first one is to be your own advocate. Sometimes we expect others to see that we're struggling and to step in to fix it. But it's important to realize that everyone's carrying their own burdens. And often we display to others an I'm doing fine mentality in public. It can be hard you know, for people actually to see how we're really doing. So it's up to us to realize that we need to make changes and then reach out to make that happen. The second thing I did was to be kind to my body. There's not a one-size-fits-all formula, and this is going to depend on your particular situation. I knew my personal tendency was to do too much, so I did take that year off from doing any races as I worked to recalibrate my body. I also recommitted to getting the amount of sleep that I need each night. So, you know, you need to do the things that are going to be kind to your body. And maybe you don't know what they are right now. Kind of start to explore that. But I think a lot of us know exactly what things are kind to our body and and maybe some of the habits that we've fallen into that are not so kind to our bodies. 
Tip three is to fix your mindset. One of the best things I did during my slump was to start daily meditation. This was so helpful in allowing me to slow down, to step back from my thoughts, and to be intentional about gratitude. I also started doing daily affirmations to give myself hope that there were better days to come. So if you find yourself in a negative headspace, maybe lacking motivation, it may be helpful to start a meditation practice or a daily gratitude practice where you write down what you're thankful for uh, because... Yeah, we do tend often to look at the negative things around us, but if we're intentional, we can really find so much positivity and so much beauty in our world around us as well. And the fourth tip is to get help as needed. Like I mentioned, sometimes it can be challenging to ask for help and also to find the right people to work with. Many people find that working with a running coach can help them start to make progress in their running goals again. During my slump, I try not to be too hard on myself, even though all I wanted was to feel healthy, strong, and fast again. But I knew that there were no guarantees, so I just focused on doing what I felt was best for my body. And I find that many people dread turning 40 or whatever the number is that strikes terror in your heart. But I think one of the advantages of getting older is starting to know what your body needs and being okay with giving it the extra rest and the extra support. And as I started to feel like myself again, my desire to set new goals and start pushing hard has gradually reemerged. Once you get to your health to a good level, your mojo or your motivation will return. So don't try to force it. When you're coming out of a slump, it's hard to predict when your body will be ready for a great effort again. But if you consistently put in the work and give yourself the needed recovery, you're going to set up the conditions to give yourself the best chance that this will occur. So like Angie's mantra that she had during a race, keep pushing and don't give up hope. You know, if you are in a running slump, you might feel stuck, but it gets better. Just keep throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. As they say, keep experimenting and keep taking action. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thanks again to Generation You Can for sponsoring the show. They make a super starch formula that helps you keep your energy steady during the race. Just use the code MTABQ to save 15% or MTA25. If you're a new customer, you'll save 25%. And thanks again to Drip Drop ORS, an electrolyte powder developed by a doctor to treat dehydration. Check them out at dripdrop.com forward slash MTA for 20% off any purchase. If we can help you anyway in your running journey, please let us know. We have a contact form on our website, marathontrainingacademy.com. Also lots of resources over there, articles, blog posts, the show notes to this episode, photos. And of course, you can learn about our coaching program if you want the help of coach to get unstuck and get to the next level. You guys are awesome. So until next time, always remember you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Go away.